This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Greetings and welcome. Delighted to have you with me. It is Eric Erickson here, coast to coast. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, as always, you can text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Get all the links to follow me around social media. So, I got to begin with some audio here. This is from Joe Biden himself. Well, look, the Financial Times and the Wall Street Journal have started to call started to call my plan Bidenomics. Initially, I don't think they meant it with great deal of respect. (laughs) With all due respect to them, our plan is working. It's working. The economy has grown since I took office. It grew faster in the in the last quarter than anyone expected. And you know, we've created over 13 million brand new jobs since I took office. 13 million in less than three years. Now, you know, even the fact checkers say that's not true. He hasn't created new jobs. It's just people went back to work after COVID. This is Tiana Lowe uh, with uh, Maria Bartiromo on Fox Business. I mean, look, we're slated to double our deficit in a time with no war, no recession, so they keep on saying, and essentially full employment, right? So what are we spending the money on? The American Rescue Plan was an American economic destructive plan. If you think about the fact that prices are up 16% since Biden took office, and real wages are down something north of 5%, the average American has lost 20% of their purchasing power. Wow. They are 20% poorer. And so if this election is about the economy, and Donald Trump can run on his economy, right? Because wages increase, or real family income increased by $6,400 for an average household. Under Biden, they've lost $4,000, and that's not including regulatory costs. Yeah. Donald Trump can win running on the economy because Bidenomics has pulled worse than any economy we've had since Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Yes, there, there is a great disconnect out there, and I want to begin here. When you live by the phrase Bidenomics, you die by Bidenomics. The Biden administration more quickly embraced the phrase Bidenomics than the Obama administration embraced the phrase Obamacare. For a very long time, actually, the Obama administration continued to refer to Obamacare as the Affordable Care Act and resented uh, calling it Obamacare because it was meant to be a pejorative. Joe Biden latched on to the phrase Bidenomics within weeks of it uh, being coined of a phrase in the Financial Times and the Wall Street Journal. 
his administration has embraced it. Kamala Harris has used it. He has used it. Uh, the dim-witted press secretary has used it. All of them have used Bidenomics as a phrase, and they have bragged about Bidenomics. I want to give you a number of headlines, and let's begin with inflation. Inflation is up. All of the media is downplaying inflation on the rise, that it, it came in less than expected, and this is a good thing, except it's not really a good thing. Supercore prices accelerated for the first time this year. That's a measure watched closely by the Federal Reserve. It includes service costs minus energy and housing costs. So the costs of services in this country, when you take out energy and housing, accelerated for the first time this year. Shelter costs made up 90% of the increase in July. Rent is up. Mortgages are up. Mortgage rates have jumped to 7.09% for the FHA rate. To the, it's the highest in 20 years. Mortgage applications have declined 40% from 2022. It's the third worst week since 1995 in the housing market, excluding February of this year. 401ks are in decline. This is from the Boston Herald. President Biden continues to stump for Bidenomics on the campaign trail, touting inflation spiking measures as a good thing for the economy and as nothing but malarkey roadshow. The Inflation Reduction Act is working and trillion plus spending costs, nothing. What Biden doesn't have in his quarter is reality. And Bank of America data served up a big troublesome serving Tuesday, reporting that more Americans are tapping into their 401ks than ever before because of financial woes. The number of people who made a hardship withdrawal on their 401k in the second quarter jumped to 15,950, up 36% from the second quarter of last year. And the Biden team says, well, it's only 15 some odd thousand people, almost 16,000 people, 16,000 more than a year ago. More than that, we now have more than a trillion dollars on credit cards in this country. Not only that, the federal deficit hit $1.6 trillion in the first 10 months of the fiscal year, more than double last year's shortfall. The Congressional Budget Office is reporting this, and it's not a good sign. That's the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office. Noted that federal spending was 10% higher during the reporting period than it was a year ago when tax revenue came in 10% lower. So we've got higher tax revenue right now, but the deficit is higher too. We're spending more than we're taking in. Gas prices are on the rise around the country. And now there's this. When you take how much an average family in this country, an average household, how many weeks they had to work to cover the cost of housing, healthcare, transportation, and college. In 1985, a household had to work 30 weeks out of 52 weeks in order to cover the cost for housing, healthcare, transportation, and college. In 2018, you had to work 53 weeks out of a 52-week year to cover housing, healthcare, transportation, and college. In other words, 
you're falling behind. And now in 2023, it's 60 plus weeks out of a 52 week year. Again, to put this in perspective, you now have to work more weeks than there are in a calendar year in order to cover the cost of housing, healthcare, transportation, and college. If your kids are not in college, if they're in a private school instead of a public school, you're also having to work more than 52 weeks a year. In other words, you're falling behind. That's why people are starting to take money out of their 401ks. That's why people are putting stuff on credit cards. The cost of living continues to go up. There's this great celebration in Washington, D.C. Inflation is on the decline, except it's not. Inflation prices are still going up. They're just going up at 4% instead of 8%. It's not like prices have fallen. They're still increasing. And the media spin on this continues to puff up Joe Biden's administration in contradiction to reality. Your cost of living is still going up just at 4% instead of 8%. And we're supposed to be happy about that. You know, prices haven't come down when they talk about, oh, inflation's on the decline. Prices aren't on the decline. Prices are still going up, and your wage increases are not yet matching the cost of living. So you are falling further and further and further behind. And then you have colleges in America continuing to spin lavishly on themselves. Listen to this from the Wall Street Journal today. The University of Kentucky upgraded its campus to the tune of $805,000 a day. For more than a decade, its freshmen who come from one of America's poorest states paid an average $18,693 to attend. Pennsylvania State University spent so much money that it's now in a budget crisis, even though it's among the most expensive public universities in the United States. The University of Oklahoma hit students with some of the biggest tuition increases while spending millions on projects, including acquiring and renovating a 32,000-square-foot Italian monastery for its study abroad program. The spending is inexorably tied to the nation's $1.6 trillion federal student debt crisis. College have paid for their sprees in part by raising tuition prices, leaving many students with few options to take on more debt. That means student loans served as an easy financing system for universities, and now students in the workforce are paying for it. This is not sustainable. And this is Bidenomics. Bidenomics is living your life on your credit card with no care for the bill coming due. And where will you borrow it from? The American taxpayers, China, Europe, where? The Biden White House media reports today, they're almost giddy about inflation. Economists are now saying it's temporary, though. This inflation, it ticked up. But economists say it's temporary. These same economists are the ones who said it was transitory to begin with. So first it was transitory, and now it's temporary. And those are increasingly becoming fancy ways to say a permanent new normal under Joe Biden. The Biden team has defined themselves by embracing Bidenomics. They have grabbed hold of the word. It was meant to be a pejorative, and now they're trying to tell everyone it's actually a good thing. It's a good thing. Bidenomics is a good thing. 
they're trying to tell people that, that this is something we can get excited about. The inflation, it's a good number. It's coming back down. The Federal Reserve is going to look at this, and they're not going to raise rates. They think, actually, given what the Fed actually looks at, they're probably going to raise rates again. You live by Bidenomics, you die by Bidenomics, Joe Biden. There's such a vast disconnect between the American people and the policymakers and the people who live in New York and D.C. The American people in Iowa, in Georgia, in Ohio, in Oklahoma, across the country, they're struggling to make ends meet. Their schools are failing. Their kids are not getting good educations in public schools. Government infrastructure is failing them. Costs are on the rise. Gas prices are going up at a time that uh, the, the solution in Washington is to force you to buy a new battery-powered car. Your electric power grid is unreliable. They're coming for your gas stove that is otherwise reliable. They're trying to get you to buy appliances that break down easily and you have to replace all the time. This is not sustainable. And they keep telling you it's fine. They keep telling you it's good. And they keep telling you it's your fault, you're miserable, that everything is actually good and you should be happy, except you know it's not because you're the one going to the grocery store. You're the one filling up at the gas pump. You're the one seeing the results of your kids coming home from school. You're the one seeing all these things. These woke, childless elite in Washington, D.C. are absolutely clueless as to how you, the American family, live your life. And they tell you that inflation's going down, but it's still going up, just not as fast. And you feel it every day, and they don't. And they've decided you are the problem. And they may be in for a rude awakening, when they realize next November, you've decided they are the problem. The question, however, is can Republicans focus on this issue or are they going to get distracted by everything else? Republicans cannot chew gum and walk at the same time. Are they going to focus on this as the defining issue right now or are they gonna get distracted by the hyper online partisans of the GOP? And I'm afraid it's gonna be the latter and it's gonna take them off message when right now the Biden administration has walked into the perfect trap. They've embraced the phrase Bidenomics and it's falling down around them and still it looks like a recession could be coming. The Republicans should focus on this issue. Cost of living is such a massive issue and I'm afraid They'll focus on everything but it when this is the winning issue. Did you know China has made it a priority to teach students financial literacy starting in preschool? Financial literacy isn't taught in our elementary schools, and parents lack the resources to teach it at home. American kids are yet again being left behind. Now there's a great way for parents and grandparents to help the kids they love learn about finance, thanks to the Sensibles. And at bcs-kids.com. The Sensibles are a team of animated superheroes who help kids age 6 to 12 develop smart money habits in a fun way. BCS-Kids.com was created to channel this multimedia resource to kids everywhere. Buy a subscription for your loved ones, and each month, they'll get a Sensibles kit in the mail with an entertaining DVD, comic book, and activities. Digital subscriptions are also available. They'll also get access to an interactive website with a library of lessons, fun activities, and more. Want 20% off the monthly subscription costs? Visit at bcs-kids.com. Enter the promo code ERIC, my name, E-R-I-C-K. It's the sensible thing to do. Subscribe today at bcs-kids.com. Hello, it's Eric Erickson here. Glad to have you with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425. 
There's a great, great uh, piece by John Stossel in the New York Post today about uh, Judith Curry, who'd been a professor at Georgia Tech, who uh, believes in man-made climate change. She uh, is believes in what they call it anthropogenic climate change, that uh, we cause it. She has accepted climate change. She did a bunch of research on climate and its impact on hurricanes. And when people questioned her research, she was one of the scientists who went back uh, redid the research, looked at it, found some mistakes, and realized her initial conclusions were wrong and that there was bad data and there's also natural climate variability. And she has become accused of being a climate skeptic because she points out that the dire scenarios of so many of the climate alarmists actually aren't true. And then she says, uh, or then they, John Stossel writes, the climate gate scandal taught her that other climate researchers weren't so open-minded. Alarmist scientists' aggressive attempts to hide data suggesting climate change is not a crisis were revealed in leaked emails. Ugly things, she described it. Avoiding Freedom of Information Act requests, trying to get journal editors fired. The origins go back to the U.N. environmental program. Some U.N. officials were motivated by anti-capitalism. They hated the oil companies and seized on climate change issue to move their policies along. I say all of this because we're seeing so many manufactured consensuses today. Think about COVID. Think about the masks. Think about COVID origins. Think about lockdowns. Do you know there was a story, and it, it doesn't appear to be a parody account. It may be a parody account, but it doesn't appear to be a parody account. Some guy talking about he had to break up with his quote-unquote life partner after 17 years because she's decided to stop wearing a mask, just as COVID is resurgent again. We've seen so many manufactured groups of consensus on issues from the public policy-making scientific community, it is hard to really believe so much of what you hear now. They have degraded their trust. Just look at the climate change hysteria right now while ignoring the volcano from last year that all the scientists at the time predicted it would cause exactly what we're seeing. Right, I mean, they predicted the global temperature rise from the amount of water that volcano shot into the air. We're seeing it, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's man-made climate change. Look at where we are. They predicted this precisely last year with that volcano, and now they've memory-holed it to manufacture a consensus that is not true. The scientific community, in need for grants and research money, has polluted its trust with the American public and so many others. If you go to Vision Computers, they're not going to pollute their trust with you. They're actually going to earn greater trust from you when you become a customer of Vision Computers. Why? Because I can tell you from my own family's needs— Vision Computer has world-class tech support. They actually answer the phone. My son has had to call them multiple times for issues with his computer related to stuff he didn't know. Like, for example, he uh, knocked his monitor plug loose and he didn't realize that he thought the monitor broke. And he called Vision, just assumed it was a problem with the monitor. No, actually, he was playing a game so fast and furious he bumped his desk and it unplugged the monitor. And they didn't make him feel like an idiot. That was my job. They actually helped him. Uh, they've helped him set up email. They've done all sorts of stuff with him remotely. 
They can do it for you too, for your home or your office. If you've got an if you've got an office, you're an owner. You've got to buy computers for your employees. Vision can build the computers. They can be your tech support, or they can be your tech support for your existing computers. Even if you didn't buy them from Vision, all you got to do is call them four zero four compute four zero four compute anywhere in the United States of America four zero four compute. Ask them about the Eric Erickson special. Check them out visioncomputers.com, but call them four zero four compute. Let Vision take care of all your computer needs. I am a small businessman. The company that I run for my radio show, it's a small business. I've got employees. I don't have HR. You may be in that situation, and you may really need HR. Well, you may want to talk to Bambi. When running a business, your employees can create all sorts of interesting situations, and they could get you in trouble. What happens when two employees are squabbling? One of them smells bad all the time. What do you do? How do you navigate the rules? With Bambi, you get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 a month. They're available by phone, email, real-time chat. Onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance. Your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. Let Bambi handle your employees for you. Their HR autopilot automates important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Listen, you want U.S.-based HR managers who give you experience, expertise, a personal touch you need to make it seem like they're a part of your team. They can cost eighty grand a year, but Bambi starts at $99 a month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now. Type in Eric Erickson under podcast when you sign up. It'll help you. It'll help your company grow. It'll help you keep peace of mind. It's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E. Bam. B-E-E.com. Bambi.com. Type in Eric Erickson. Uh, I have sad news to report. Johnny Hardwick is dead. Uh, 64 years old. Uh, You don't know Johnny Hardwick by name. Uh, but if you ever saw the show or clips of King of the Hill, the TV show, uh, he voiced Dale, and he has passed away. Ah, uh, that's sad. Uh, looks like it happened on the eighth. Goodness. All right, all right. We gotta we gotta move on to some other stuff. This one this bugs me. I, I so I you know I'm 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 growing in my forties. I have a list of pet peeves like the slow pokes from Florida who drive in the left lane. That happened to me yesterday. I was I was going up to Atlanta yesterday, and in the left lane there was a BMW with a Florida license plate, doing not even seventy miles an hour in the left lane. Why? I I don't know what it is now. People think if I get in the left lane, I don't have to worry about mergers or tractor trailers, and so that's where I, that's my safe space. That's where I'm going to live. That is the passing lane. It's for people who are going fast and passing. It is not for you slowpokes from Florida or DeKalb County, Georgia. I, I don't understand what it is about people in the left lane who think, you know what, I'm just going to be over here and I'm going to I'm gonna just drive slow. I don't understand it. And so many of them, it's become a joke in my family. They've got Florida license plates. No offense to you people in Florida. My suspicion is that it's all those Yankees that moved down during COVID and they moved to Florida and they don't know what the left lane is. I mean, they got traffic jams all up the northern eastern seaboard there in, in New York and the like. And in Florida, they just think, well, if I stay over in this lane and move slow, I'll be safe. That's not what that lane is for, people. It's one pet peeve. I have another pet peeve. It's the people who think that uh, witty jokes and memes online are going to win them the presidency. 
Charles Cook at National Review has a piece, Lame Memes Are a Poor Substitute for Good Candidates. Have you seen the woman on Twitter who posts those embarrassingly syncophantic pictures of Donald Trump? Her name is Bridget Gabriel, and she likes to share images of the former president in historic poses throughout history. One has Trump next to Martin Luther King Jr. with the caption, Two of Our Nation's Greatest Advocates for Civil Rights, MLK and DJT. Another, complete with the caption, President Trump is on a mission to save the country, has Trump in a flight suit standing next to a fighter jet. Trump has also been depicted as a founding father, as a soldier in the jungles of Vietnam, and as well as whatever this, I don't even know what that is. Look at it. The whole thing is absurd and embarrassing and unctuous, and unless we do something about it, it's going to be our future. A lackey memeing on a human face forever. Gabriel is just one person, albeit a person with nearly a million followers, but her approach serves as a neat illustration of where we now find ourselves politically, which is sitting in a world of artificially induced scarcity, trying desperately to bang square pegs into round holes. If the Republican Party wanted a candidate who matched its self-conception, it could find one. Instead, it's trying to turn straw into gold. Democrats reading this critique will recognize instinctually the absurdity of trying to turn Trump into a saint. But I wonder, can they see the same beam forming in their own eyes? If not, perhaps they will permit me to explain that what Bridget Gabriel and her accomplices look like to you is what people endeavoring to sell dark Brandon memes look like to us. I am told that in Joe Biden's campaign store, dark Brandon merchandise is a bestseller. I have no reason to doubt it, but ask yourself, who goes to political merchandise stores 16 months before a presidential election? Freak, monomaniacs, and chronically maladjusted. That's who. Ultimately, the audience for Dark Brandon is similar to the audience for the Trump memes. Crackpot fetishists who mistake politics for life and do not understand the country in which they live. Most Americans do not actually like Donald Trump or Joe Biden, let alone see them as heroic. Trump is less popular than sewage. Biden's approval rating is worse than that of every president ever polled bar Jimmy Carter. The fix for the problem is not a new sculptor, it's new clay. To illustrate the problem, try explaining to a normal human being what Dark Brandon is. You know, he ends with this. If in the course of my daily life, I were to encounter a person wandering around in public muttering about Dark Brandon or the Trump train, I'd move my family to safety and then call the police. He's not wrong. In 2020, Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren lost. Kamala Harris never even making it to Iowa. And in the postmortems of the campaigns written about in the New York Times, one of the major internal criticisms is that they were absolutely obsessed with what was happening on Twitter. And they needed to win the fight on Twitter. And in the process, by trying to win the day on Twitter, they lost the campaign. I have said, and others have said, that there has been this feeling for some time now that uh, some of the DeSantis team feel the same way, that whatever is on Twitter is, is big and we got to win on Twitter. I think it, I still think it was a fundamental campaign mistake for him to launch his campaign on a Twitter space with Elon Musk than to actually have a staged event with a large crowd. 
where he could control the technology and the narrative. I think the campaign is turning around and making adjustments because of that. But the Trump team, too, just seems so hyper online. I mean, own, they're not owning the left. They, they are obsessed with Ron DeSantis. You know, every time Donald Trump is indicted now, his campaign team attacks Ron DeSantis. It, it has become a thing, and I'm not making that up. It is literally a thing on social media. If Trump is indicted, the first attack is against Ron DeSantis for not being loyal enough. And they're not alone. There is this obsessiveness with Twitter in particular on the right now. And I don't think it's healthy in part, in large part, because most Americans are not on Twitter. They are not on Snapchat. They are not on Facebook regularly, although more are there than on Twitter. They're not on threads. They're not on Mastodon or Blue Sky or any of the like. Americans right now are living their lives. I had this conversation with a friend yesterday. He was lamenting radio ratings. And when you actually look at the pattern of people listening to the radio, uh, it's had a, you can tell when people went on vacation. And if you, we were discussing how some people in radio they live and die by the ratings per month, and they're really miserable if the ratings aren't good. And, and you just you gotta understand there's an ebb and a flow. People are on vacation. People are getting back to school, and and life is like that too. It's not just in the radio and the TV business. When you're looking at ratings, it is actually everywhere right now. People went on vacation in the South. They're getting back to school in the North. They're taking their vacations now because school starts after Labor Day. You've got Labor Day coming up. People aren't paying attention. It's why for all of the freak out about Ron DeSantis and his uh, re reboot or multiple reboots, however you see it, he's still got time because he's got money in the bank and the campaign's not till January. And that goes for everyone else as well. There's still another indictment coming probably next week against Donald Trump. That changes things for him too. It bogs him down with lawyers and drives up his costs. There's still time, but everybody in all of these campaigns is so freaking focused on what's on Twitter. And what's on social media, not the lives of Americans. And this gets back to my prior point on the economy. It's the economy, stupid. It's culture, too. And to the extent someone wins, they're going to blend the culture and the economy together. Because if you want your kid to get a good education in this country, you got to fight the wokes. you got to send your kid to a private school and hope the private school isn't woke. I was talking to a buddy of mine yesterday used to be a teacher at a very prestigious, massive private school in Atlanta and how woke that school has gotten. It's a private school that had a background as a military academy and now doesn't want to talk about it lest it trigger the kids in the school. Your cost of living is going up. Your public schools are failing. There's a controversy near me. Cobb County, Georgia, has a teacher. I've talked to multiple parents in the school who said the teacher had a reputation as not a good teacher. They kept elevating her from one grade to the next grade to the next grade, trying to get her to, to older kids to see if she would do well. She has consistently not done well with kids. The parents try to avoid her. She is engaged in indoctrination of students. She made the students read a book on um, gender identity and picked on kids if they chose a blue or a pink identity for their shadow. This, she's reading a book about a 
uh, kid with a purple shadow, a non-conforming kid, didn't want the kids to use the gender binary, To didn't want the kids to use male and female pronouns or blue and pink colors. She had previously read to the kids a book about Stacey Abrams. Now, the media is lionizing this woman. They're making her a hero. But in the school, among the parents, she had a reputation. The media, of course, doesn't want to cover the reputation. The media doesn't want to cover what was actually going on, and they don't want to cover the failures in the public school system. They never like to talk about the failures in the public school system. They never like to talk about why people are are rise in homeschooling. They just consider them bigots. But people are doing it to save their kids from indoctrination and also to give them a good education, to give them a fighting chance. Your schools are failing. The economy is failing. Uh, Employers are struggling. Your cost of living is going up. And we got Republicans and Democrats trading stupid memes on Twitter as if that's what's going to win them the election. To the extent that someone wins the election, I suspect it's going to be someone who realizes the real world is not Twitter. It's not your anxieties. It's not your hate. It's so much more. The amount of angry people who... The amount of angry people who just want to yell at others, who want to find a candidate who scratches their, their itch, nurses their grievance... But that's not most Americans. Most Americans are trying to live their life right now. Most Americans are trying to get their kids educated. They're trying to go to work. They're trying to make money to pay their bills. They got to buy a new car at some point. They've got to. They've got groceries. They've got to buy. They're worried about that. They're not worried about your nitpicking fights on Twitter. It really is absurd how the upper echelons of the Republican and the Democratic Party are so obsessed with fights online. They've forgotten that most Americans are not there. Most Americans don't care about the memes. Most Americans do not care about the labels. Most Americans have never even heard of Dark Brandon or the Trump train. What they've heard of is their grocery bill and the cost of buying groceries and filling up their car with gas. They know that world, and none of these people involved in politics on campaigns seem to care about any of those things right now. They're so busy fighting each other trying to win the day online. And Americans are trying to just survive a day offline. It is a terrible disconnect happening in in our politics right now. I had somebody email me yesterday, said he stopped going to Twitter about a year ago and was just stunned on how much his worldview has improved and uh, how happier he is. He's not miserable daily online. He doesn't look at the site anymore. He tries not to use social media. He said it is a completely different world now. He doesn't look online. He reads the news. He listens to my program to tell him what's going on in the world. He says he's a completely happier person now. Disengaged. Instagram is the only one he uses, and he uses it to keep up with friends and family and and stupid golf memes. That's it. There are way more people like that, I suspect. And the campaigns are hiring so many young people to run campaigns who are obsessed about online culture, they are losing touch with the average American. This is a real problem, and it's on both sides. Democrats and Republicans alike, they're losing touch with actual voters because they're hiring kids who are too enthusiastic about social media, unaware of the fact that most Americans do not have time for it because most Americans are trying to go to work to earn money to survive Bidenomics. And that's how they should gauge their messaging for the 2024 campaign. 
Patriot Mobile is one of the groups helping with the messaging, funding, and fighting for conservative candidates out there and conservative causes. And you can help them do it. All you have to do is move your cell phone service to them. You get guaranteed great service. They use the same cell towers you're probably already using. And you can take your existing phone number to them or get a new phone number from them. All you do is go to patriotmobile.com slash eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Move your cell phone service to them, or you can call them 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you, you get free activation. On top of that, you get great discounts. You're a veteran, a first responder, an NRA member, a teacher, got a lot of lines in your household. You need Patriot Mobile. They can help you. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can go there. You can put in your home address. They will zoom right to your house to show you how good the 5G, the data, the voice is. If you don't believe me, you'll believe the map. And you can also call them if you don't want to do it online. 972-PATRIOT. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. That's PatriotMobile.com. You grow their profits. They grow their giving to the conservative movement. Together, we can change the country. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. The website is firstlibertyga.com. If you're looking to buy a building, build a building, buy a franchise, expand a franchise, this is for your business, not for yourself. You, my friends, should reach out to First Liberty, firstlibertyga.com. Now, the phone number here of the program, 877 973 7425. Should you wish to be on the program, happy to have your call. Although, you know, during the week, except on Friday, it does kind of need to be relevant to what I'm talking about. Now, I, I say that, and, and I, I guess it's time for one of these remedial listener tours of the show. Like we do in honor of Rush, we, we do an open line Friday where you can call it about other stuff. But I got an angry email from someone the other day who sat on hold for two and a half hours and was told that I wasn't going to get to his call because it was on something completely irrelevant to anything I was talking about or anything in the news. But he could be on hold if he wanted to, and he chose to be on hold for two and a half hours, and I didn't get to his phone call, as predicted by the call screener because he was talking about something completely unrelated to anything at all that I intended to talk about or anything relevant to the news of the actual day. And then he got mad that he sat on hold and was told that I'm not going to get to him. If he wants to sit on hold, he can, but I'm not going to get to him. And and then it's our fault somehow. Just we, we try to keep it relevant to the news of the day, Monday through Thursday. We go a little looser for you on Friday. So just be advised, please. We, we try to accommodate you as best we can, but there are some rules. You don't have a right just to get on the program. Now, I think God's trying to tell me i got to walk some more. According to the New York Times, even 4,000 steps a day can have big health benefits. Now, I generally walk five to 6,000 a day. I'm supposed to get to 10,000. Exercise scientists long ago debunked the need for 10,000 steps a day to stay healthy and live long. Even a little movement is good, they argue, though more is better. Now, a new study underscores that people can reap significant benefits from a comparatively small number of daily steps. Researchers analyzed 17 studies that looked at how many steps people took typically in a week-long period and followed up on their health outcomes after seven years. They concluded a habit of walking just under 4,000 steps per day reduces the risk of dying from any cause, including cardiovascular disease. That translates into a 30 to 45 minute walk or roughly two miles, although it varies person to person. But the more steps you take, the better off you are. Mortality risk decreased by 15% for every additional thousand steps participants took. So in other words, 
if you walk 100,000 miles, you're going to live forever or 100,000 steps. No, not really. But, uh, you know, so scientists, I got to tell you, I do think that the 10,000 step target, which some days I meet and some days I don't, is actually a good one to try to meet. But 4,000 steps is a fairly reasonable thing for most people during the day. And the overwhelming scientific consensus now is that a little bit of exercise, a little bit of walking, even if you can't do heavy lifting, is a really good thing for you. I am still in the camp, though, that heavy lifting, deadlifts, and squats for everybody, regardless of your age, is a good thing. Find a good trainer who can help you do it, and the long-term benefits will be remarkable for your stability and balance and not falling over when you're old. Just lift some heavy weights, but I'm in the minority on that part.